Welcome to the Inside the Junior Rain podcast. I'm your host, Ben Frank, and each and every week we give you an inside look on what goes on behind the scenes of a USA Hockey model association, the Junior Rain. We believe in learning, we believe in age-appropriate, long-term athletic development, and we believe we have the responsibility to harness the power of youth sports to create better athletes, better people, closer families, and a better world. Thank you for joining us, and together we can make youth hockey a life-changing experience. Okay, we are live. I'm going to make sure we're on here. Welcome to episode number 14 of Inside the Junior Rain. i got to add that to the description, uh, where we give you an inside look on what goes into behind the scenes of delivering our mission of creating a life-changing experience through youth ice hockey. My name is Ben Frank, the club president of the Junior Rain, and with me as always is our chief of hockey operations, Paul Isdale. Paul, uh, say hi to everyone here. Hi, everyone. Well, I make sure that we're up and not sideways, <laughs> which... Looks like we're good. Wait, no, that's the old one. <laughs> I don't see us yet here, so let me make sure, because... Technical difficulties. Uh, let me make sure. It says we're live. Let me just make sure. I want to make sure we can see everyone's comments. Um, as always, please, if you uh, enjoy the show, we really appreciate you... Uh, sharing your comment, giving us a thumbs up or a comment in the section to let us know you're watching. Let us know questions or comments you have. We've had a lot of great comments and questions coming in that we'll, we'll address on the show, um, whether you're watching live or via replay. Uh, if we miss you on the live on the live broadcast here, you can leave us questions or comments and we can address it on the next show. I think we are now good. Okay. We are good. So today's show, uh, and sorry for the the delays there. Um, we're going to be talking about the hot button topic of positioning in youth ice hockey. Positioning overall uh, in in hockey, it's a it's a, like I said something that's a hot button. I think it's discussed a lot. Parents, coaches, uh, players, what is positioning? How do we teach the kids better positioning? How can we you know have them have more success through positioning? So we wanted to take a show and deep dive and kind of deep dive into positioning, define pos- positioning what it is, um, how we build off of that, and how we can teach it so the kids can learn best for the best uh, long-term, short-term results, but also, of course, long-term results for their own development and their team development. So, Paul, uh, why don't we start with you, uh, Chief of our Operations. What is positioning in ice hockey? Well, I, th- I think the first thing when you start talking about positioning is it, it varies uh, from level to level, and, be, and what I mean level to level is because of the speed of the game. And I think we can get into that and about why sometimes people are out of position and why sometimes people are in position, right? Because it's actually the speed of the game. But really what positioning is, it's, if it's, it's offense with the puck. So if you have the puck, mm-hmm. right? And then if, if you're defending, defending uh, offense away from the puck, so it's either you have the puck mm-hmm. or your teammate has the puck, right? Or then it's, the, it's, it's defending the puck. So if you have the puck and I'm against you, I'm defending the puck. Or if one of your other teammates has it, and I'm, I'm, I'm defending away from the puck. So there's kind of four roles, four positional roles of hockey, right? So it's whether you have the puck uh, or your teammate does, 
or now I'm defending on the puck, or I'm defending away from the puck, and that's really it. It's a really simplified, right? You've heard that the, <laughs> hockey's a simple game, right? Yeah. Simple game. You've heard that uh, probably term a lot. Uh, essentially, right, hockey is an attack game. There's our net, and there's yeah. their net, and we're trying to get the puck into their net more than they get the puck into our net. It's an invasion game, as, yeah. as they call it as well, similar to, say, soccer, lacrosse, basketball. It's an invasion, invasion game. And then as Paul, so to under, real keeping it real simple, what's the purpose of the game, right? It's, Put them in there and protect our net. And then, what are those four main roles based on this? Five players on the ice, yeah. one puck. How does this come into play? Really breaking it down the four key roles. Paul, can you just say them again? The four key roles. For sure. In sure. So it's offense with the puck, right? Okay. And then it's offense away from the puck. Okay. And then it's defending the puck mm -hmm. and defending away from the puck. Right. And if you can understand, so this is where it's simple, not easy, right? <laughs> simple, not easy. If you can understand what to do in every one of those situations, those four major situations, yeah. in all the areas of the ice, right? Then you know how to play. Right, and that's hockey. like when we like to talk about is the zones of the ice, right? So if you look at a hockey rink, it is split up by blue line, red line, blue line, right? So understanding and also split up by what we call the defensive zone, the neutral zone, the offensive zone. And we've coined some terms for those uh, that we've kind of learned from USA Hockey through the years of our experience that to make it a little more intriguing for players. For example, in the defensive zone, so that's in your end where your goalie is, right? We call that the work zone because you got to really work hard to get the puck out of your zone. And then once you get it into the neutral zone, the middle of the ice from blue line to blue line is, is what we call is the speed zone because we want to move through the neutral zone with speed, right? And then when we move into the offensive zone, so blue line down when we're trying to score, we call that the fun zone. The offense zone is the fun zone. So there's those. So it's the work zone, the speed zone, yeah. the fun zone. That's how kids are. If kids are taught that way, they remember that. They, yeah, easy they, for kids to remember, yeah. right? And we was, hey, we want to play in the fun zone. Right? Yeah. We want to get into the fun zone as quickly as we can. It's uh, something that can ring true with kids and, and help be memorable for them and make it really simple to explain what we want to try to do rather than these complex maybe systems of all these X's and O's and make it simple for the kids to understand. Um, so we've already within a couple of minutes here, we've talked about the four, the four key roles and then we talked about the, the different, the di so the overall framework of hockey, what we're trying to do, right? breaking down into the four situations that could happen during the game and then in the zones. So if you understand what to do in those four situations in each zone, you understand how to position yourself in hockey, right? So it's simple, again, <laughs> not easy, but it doesn't have to be complicated, right? Right, and, and that's when we start to talk about the speed of the game, right? And how we relate to where the puck is, where, the, where, where our teammates are, where the opponent is, uh, who has the puck, right? Where I should be, when I should be there. Uh, and the game is moving at different speeds at every level. The higher level you go up, the faster the game moves, mm -hmm. right? Uh, from AU hockey to the national hockey, there's quite a bit of speed difference. Mm -hmm and size of surface and all that stuff. Um, so that changes how you relate to your positioning and where you stand and where you, not stand, that's but where, what makes it, where you go and where you want to be. That's what makes it harder to do. As the speed gets faster, it becomes harder to make those, to read that situation and make those decisions about where to be based on those things. But what I love about this explanation of the four key roles, especially of, uh, of positioning, is it's, it's not just, okay, in our D zone, we're always gonna go here. Right. Or in our offensive zone, we're always gonna go here. It's based on where the puck is and who has the puck, and that could that is an unlimited possibilities because the puck could be in your teammates' hands or in another team's hands or in your hands at any piece of the ice surface. Well, and that's the type of sport we're playing is hockey, right? If you watch the highest levels of hockey, uh, there's times where they're out of position, right? Mm -hmm. Or we would consider them out of position. And that's when mistakes are made and goals are goals are scored, right? So 
in a game like uh, you know start of the year I think Chicago beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 10-0. Yeah. You know I mean yeah. uh, NHL team beat another team 10-0, yeah. right? And they had breakdowns in their positioning, right? And breakdowns and and really what it comes down to when we talk about positioning, it comes down to something even more smaller than that. It's it's really comes down to like one-on-one -on -one battles, yeah. right? So if you lose a battle, what happens and how do how do teammates react to that? So if I if I'm defending and I lose a battle or you know I'm defending the puck and I lose that battle, do I have help? Or do I not have help? Yeah. Right. Or if I'm uh, my teammate's defending the puck, right, and he gets beat, now it turns into a two on one. What do I do? Right. Do I just charge the puck? Do I play a two on one? Does the goalie make the save? Right. You know, and goalie right. can goal, uh, goalie can make up for a lot of uh, defensive breakdowns. Mm -hmm. Right. But it really comes down to the game is really you know, those one on ones and two on one, two on two battles. And I think we talked about this before. That study from Sport IQ was like. 80 to 9 percent of the hockey game is broken down into one-on-ones, two-on-ones, and two-on-twos. So it really comes down to a smaller area, smaller uh, competition to, to to actually do well and be in the right spots and on the ice. I just want to say hi to uh, Shannon, Rick, and Mike, uh, Michael watching us today. So cool. thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, that's something that I I love about those four the four key uh, concepts. Again, I keep bringing it up at the four positions of of hockey. With puck carrier, basically, yeah. your teammate is a puck carrier. The other team has the puck, and you're right on them. Or the other team has the puck, and you're away from it. And those, those, if you understand all those areas, right, it's unlimited, unlimited possibilities in the game. And the reason we'll get into more teaching, teaching of positioning. The reason why static positioning can be so actually detrimental to kids teaching kids. Oh, in your D zone, you're always here. Wingers are always on the boards, or you know, always D in front of the net, or something, right? Can be detrimental because there's actually unlimited possibilities in, in hockey. It's a free flowing game. It's not it's not static. And so this this coming back to the four the four positions, it you you have to you have to know you're planning your position based on where the puck is and where everybody else is. You're, you're having to read right. those things rather than That's just right. have a, a set set position. That's right, right. So it's all connected to that, right? Yeah. So so where you are on the ice could be different every shift, every right. time, all the time. Based on right? The right. And sure, there's some recognizable patterns that we start to use and some maybe some routes, right? right? We talk about, especially on offense, where we, there's some routes of getting open for pucks and stuff. But if you watch a high-level hockey game, it's not the not like it used to be, right? The left winger just goes up and down the left mm -hmm. side of the sub side of the rink. The game has changed, yeah. right? Uh, guys are interchanging. That's why guys are you know guys can play forward, they can play defense, all in one shift. And maybe they're not you know they're not specifically told they're a defenseman, mm -hmm. but they cover for the defenseman when the D pinches, mm -hmm. or they do a high cycle, picking you know a pick kind of thing. And they're always interchanging. The best teams are those ones that can play that transition game or an interchanging defenseman offensively to, to create. Uh, you know, defensive turnovers or offense. Yeah, I'll give you an example. I, I growing up in, in in Canada and playing youth hockey, I had some old school traditional coaches who probably played in the days of left winger up and down the ice and things like that. They, for me to think that there could be times where there's both defensemen in the same corner in the defensive <laughs> zone or a defenseman in the other team's corner in the offensive in the offensive zone, be like never. Like you can never do that. When that, if you watch an NHL game, that still happens all the time now. Yeah, and I think one of the great examples was when this start first came about. It was, I think, in 2012 or 14, uh, the, the Olympics. Team Canada. Team yeah. Canada. So they, uh, I don't know if they gave up a goal the whole time. And they had, obviously, they had some of the top players in the world. But their defensive, this is when kind of the swarm defense came out. So really what a swarm is, is just really outnumbering. 
and shrinking time and space, right? And this is something that when I was coaching junior, we were experimenting with, and that's it was just getting in in that in, in the early in the you know 2008 2009. That's when it started to get into the NCAA, and really what is it's just an outnumbering system where D centers wingers all drop collapse, and they really outnumber, and they give those outside long shots, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like oh why are you going there? Why are you chasing the puck? It was about well we're chasing the puck because we're we're going in layers, we're shrinking the ice, and we're trying to outnumber, we're trying to get the puck out as quick as possible. So that's really the simplified defensive zone or the work zone is you want to get the puck and you want to get it out of your zone as quick as possible. Pittsburgh Penguins had a lot of success the last couple of years. If you watched their defensemen, they had a couple injuries, right? Chris Latang was up, one of the top players yeah. in the league, and they had, you know, good defensemen, but not all all-stars, right? And what they did great was just get the puck out out of the zone, yeah. right? And they got into the new zone and let their forwards come with speed and they had a lot of offense. Um, you know, they used a lot of high flips, a lot of off the glass. At the younger ages, we don't necessarily teach all that yet because we want the kids to be able to handle the puck and make plays, right? right? There's gonna be a time and place when, yeah, maybe you gotta chip off the boards in open space. But, um, you know, so understanding that just the simple, simple fact is that we wanna outnumber, we wanna get the puck, and we wanna protect the, the most dangerous areas on the ice in the defensive zone and we want to keep it moving forward as quick as possible. So what, so what you're talking about there, Paul, is a perfect example of concepts over systems, yeah. right? So USA Hockey uses this terminology a lot in the skill book, uh, USA Hockey skill book that we've talked about in the show, concepts over systems, especially at, at the younger ages, but you'll find this now even more even in pro hockey and the highest levels of hockey. So just, let's just rewind just for a second. Again, we talked about positioning in hockey, we talked about the nature of the sport being an invasion sport, what we're, tr what we're trying to do, we've talked about the three zones, and then we've talked about the, the four key areas, uh, the four key positions on the, um, based on where the puck is and, and the opponents are. And now we're starting to talk about the different general concepts. So the other thing is to consider is what are, what are the age groups and what are we trying to teach and what do we, what do we want mostly for these kids to, to develop, right? Because like you mentioned, yeah. there could be some things where you're dumping the puck out of the zone as quickly as possible, but what do we want to accomplish with the youth? So that has to also be a consideration as well, the long-term picture. And that's important why it's age appropriate. Right. And that's where the you know we we use the American Development Model to have follow some of those guidelines, right? So at eight and under, it's about puck pursuit mm -hmm. and puck support. So really, going to get the puck. Yeah, everyone, everyone, yeah. <laughs> trying to get the Great puck. Pressure, yeah. And then and you'll see over the years, even if they play a couple of years of mites, then they'll realize that okay, four guys don't need to get the puck. Yeah, one or two guys go, and there's better spacing. There's what we call the spacing and layering, mm -hmm. right? So now it's if my teammate has the puck, now I pers we pursued it. We have it, now I try to get to an area that maybe I could get it from him. Yeah. And you may not, at that level, you may not get it yet, right? right? They're just still cognitively not ready yet to do that as they get older in the, the, you know, the last year of eight and under and then the 10 and under, you'll start to see a, a you know, greater puck movement, mm -hmm. greater puck support. But the worst thing we could do is teach them not to attack the puck. Right, to go get the puck because then when you're out, you're seeing you want you have kids stopping and thinking and waiting and being hesitant and not being aggressive and all these things that we know when we see it is not is not good. We, the, the, especially the, youth, the younger ages, the kids that are really aggressive, they're going after the puck, they're getting and things, they're having a lot of success, and they're getting better because they're constantly going for it and they miss sometimes. And then they, if they're going hard all the time, they're going to learn their angling, they're going to learn how to get to the puck first, and they're going to get the puck more often as well, and they're going to have more development. And like you said, they'll naturally learn. Uh, if if all four are going and they'll start to they'll start to realize oh the they'll start they'll start to in their own on their own okay there's two, we have three guys and they have one I can actually get the puck if I wait if I go to here my teammates are going to win it anyways kind of thing you know? and what's that called that's called hockey sense it's a hockey sense and, and the key for that to develop and we've talked before about developing hockey sense right is teaching 
concepts and uh, USA has a great uh, a great PDF file teaching concepts through smaller games and that's why the pond hockey growing up in Canada Minnesota those states is that's where really kids develop hockey sense and this takes a long time to develop yeah. right and it's it's not and we talked about this before about giving the kids answers to the test right right developing hockey sense you're not you're not you're 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 making mistakes on your own as a player and then finding the answers trial and error right. like it like an experiment right 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 it's like you know invented the light bulb i i i tried ten thousand times but i, I learned ten thousand times how not to do it right, right. to learn that one time to do it so it's the same thing in hockey right is that we learn through trial and error trial and error and that's why those smaller games are, are really critical for the development of, of kids at all ages. So Paul's starting to go into now that there are really are our meat of the show today is we've talked about what positioning is and what the different things to consider and so how do we teach it right how do we develop positioning in our in our athletes and we're starting to get into what Paul you know mentioned with through smaller games is is we feel and the science and the research shows and USA Hockey will show that it's, it's the best way to to teach that because one of the things we talked about in the past shows is when you learn something from finding the answer versus being told the answer, your learning is much more permanent, and you're and you also uh, you actually you understand it better. So, for example, if if you just if you just tell a kid the answer, like you said, the answer to a test, they might be able to write it down on the <laughs> test. Yeah. But if they don't know how that was, what, how that answer was found, then you just change the so you just change the answer uh, the question slightly, and they can never they, they're going to get it wrong. Whereas if they learn actually how to come up with the answer, if they learn how to add and subtract versus just memorizing the answer, now they can figure out all, any kind of problem that involves it, right? So a smaller game, we talked about um, on, the, on, the, on the ice, the same exact situation in the game will never ever happen again. Everyone is in the exact same spots and you're in the exact same spot, you have the exact same amount of energy level and exact same everything. It's, it's unique every single time. So if we learn to actually think and make decisions and how to be in the right position, now we can make those decisions when all these unique situations and, and understanding why so the the kids that learn and understand why there'll be more intrinsic uh, value for them and they'll retain it better right so if if we tell like and we know this from from doing it actually yeah, sure. we know if we tell an eight-year-old to stand there they will follow directions yeah. and stand there yeah right and that may be a good spot for him to stand there one out of a hundred thousand times yeah right but we know by standing in a certain spot He's really not getting better. He's servicing the coaches that are adults who want to win the game. Yeah. So it's a short-term solution to a long-term long-term problem, right? And the the long-term is that we want to develop these kids into creative um, thinking hockey players that can play the game of hockey, right. right? So and that's why it's that pursuit is so key at the younger ages and. and even at the older ages, pursuit, 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 yep. is going after being aggressive, not afraid of mistakes because mistakes are gonna happen, we know that, and not getting punished for hardworking mistakes. And I think right. that's what we see a lot is because a kid makes a mistake in a hockey game or any youth sport game, they are punished because that was a mistake and when, that cost them right. something. When maybe they were trying to make a play, right? And if a kid's trying to make a play and yeah. they're working hard, we wanna reward that, right? For, so let me just dive into that a second further, Paul. So let's say you had an eight with an eight U team. What are the dangers then? Because you could, let's say you took two of the stronger kids yeah. and you said, I don't want you to ever go past half because yeah. cross size, might play cross size, you plays cross size. Yeah. These two big kids are never gonna go past half. They're gonna stand back by their net and every time you get the puck, you're just gonna shoot it down to the other end as hard as you can and the other guys are gonna to try to score and stuff. You might have some success 
on that that day, uh, not giving up many goals well, and maybe getting yeah. some shots. Let me let me use a different example first, and then we can talk about. Let's talk about basketball for a second. Okay. So you have a really tall basketball player. Yeah. Right, and and being tall in basketball is a huge advantage. Right, right. Hockey, maybe bigger, yeah. but not and not taller is not so much right, but bigger, stronger, maybe faster, right? But a tall basketball player, and his job is to never touch the ball, yeah. but just stand under the hoop and jump and try to block it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he's gonna get good at that. Yeah. Right, but the thing is that is going to only be for a short time, right? Until and the and the game will pass him when there's going to be times when he's going to have to actually handle the ball, right. make a pass, make a play, and he's not going to have he's not going to have the skill sets. He's not going to develop the skill sets because he's never allowed to do that because he was always told, well, you can't do that. You're the big guy. You got to stay under the hoop. And if you're the at the youth level, <laughs> if you're trying to win the game that yes. weekend, there's never going to be a good time for him to dribble the ball because <laughs> right. he's not good at dribbling the ball because he's big. He's not coordinated. He grew fast. So we don't want him dribbling the and, ball. So stand there. We're going to win the game. And he's not good at dribbling the ball right. because he hasn't yeah, dribbled the ball. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's yeah. the thing with science, the science right. behind learning, right? So those kids, those those big defensemen, those big eight and under defensemen who can't pass half. And just fire it out every time. They're going to get good at that, right. right? And that will give the team some more wins or some more success and give up less goals, right? But they're never going to get, develop the important skill sets of handling the puck, pursuing the puck, making some, you know, plays and those kind of things. And that's going to hurt those kids long term and down the road if those kids are in a group of team, a group of kids that stay, you know, uh, that are on the same team again. That's actually going to hurt the team in the long run, right? If you think of it that way too, it's not just going to hurt the individual, individual, those individuals. It will hurt the individuals around them because it's a team sport. Make, and they won't be able to make plays. Right. It's a team, yeah. Hockey is a team sport. Mm -hmm. Right? So if it was just playing defense and shooting the puck out of the zone, you got a point for that or something, yeah, yeah. then they'd be, they'd be good at that and they'd excel at that. Just like we talk about practice, right? If we're just playing, you got to skate around the circle as fast as you can a million times and the faster you do the more score you get on the yeah. scoreboard, then, that'd be a good thing to then that's what we'll practice all the time. <laughs> right, right. But hockey is, we know that's not what hockey is, and that's why we don't practice that way. That's why we don't teach players to play that way. Right, great. So, <laughs> so, we have, we have, so we've defined positioning maybe in a little bit non-traditional way or a way that, that, that yeah. most people might think about what positioning is and what we're trying to actually accomplish. And it's not, it's not the systems and things like that because the systems, let's talk about that a little bit. First sure. of all, we don't want to teach, we don't want to work on systems at all at the younger ages because we, because we want kids to make plays. We want kids to be creative. We want kids to, uh, to, to learn and to play different roles and things like that. And so USA Hockey talks about concepts over systems, but also um, systems is not, some, is not learning positioning. Right. Right. So at the NHL level or the college level, a coach could implement a system and you can implement a system this weekend for this team and you can have a different system even next week or you could change it year right. to year. And that doesn't change the understanding of positioning by those players. Players who can play hockey at that level can really play so, any system if they want to. That's right. So at the highest levels, what we're talking about right now is what they're talking about. Right. They're not. They're not talking about stand there, stand there. Right. Right. They may implement a system like a forechecking system mm -hmm. or a defensive zone system. But if you don't have the skill sets or the concepts, meaning the understanding to do those systems, mm -hmm. it's, it's useless. Right? right. So that's why if you just focus on teaching that forward checking or the one, two, 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 one, two, 
Uh, there's a million different one right. three one. There's all these different four checking or defensive zone or neutral zone systems. If you just focus on those at the eight hundred, ten hundred, twelve hundred, fourteen hundred, sixteen hundred, and that's all you did, yeah. they would maybe get good at the, that one that particular one system. system. Yeah. But when things change, things evolve, they're not going to have the skill set or the understanding of what they're doing, why they're doing, and then how to do something differently down the road. And that's really what the, what the risk is. That's why at the highest levels, those players are the best players. Yeah. They're the smartest players. They're the biggest. They're the fastest. And guess what? Now they can play any system they want because they have those skill sets. Without those skill sets, they're not in the league. And they can read and they can react. Exactly. So so they, so they like I said before about giving the answer, right? You could teach a, a team a, one system the whole way growing up, and they might be able to play that, that system. It doesn't mean they know, how, they know how to position themselves around where the puck is, where their teammates are, what zones, and they just know that when the puck's in this and I'm the center, I'm gonna stay up high by the blue line, every, no matter what. And they could do that, I guess. Um, but a player who's now learned where to be, when they have, what to do when they have the puck, what to do when they don't have, when their teammate has, and how to get open, and those types of things, can now, if you want to implement that system or in any other kind of system the next day, they can easily do that because they can understand why that system's in place too, because they can see what you're trying to do and accomplish from that system, and they can react to it and, and read off of that. I think when you watch the highest levels of hockey, so the NHL, right, and, and, and really when you get time, really watch a game, I really love watching playoffs. Because that's when yeah. you, the guys are going full out, 100%, everything's on the line, and you see what systems they're using, really what concepts. It's not systems. It's right. really what it is. It's high pressure taking away time and space. Yeah. Like if That's the big concept is putting as much pressure as you can on the other opponent all over the ice yeah. to get the puck and try to put it in the net. Yeah. Like it's that simple. Yeah. And, it, and, and at higher levels, that's what it is. Sure, they may have... You know they 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 play a two one two deep inch four check system right, but the the concept behind that is high pressure, high speed, take away time and space, outnumber the puck, mm -hmm. and 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 try to advance the puck into the offensive zone as quick as possible. Another thing to add, we talked about simple, not easy. So another way of defining this right is, is a hockey simple game right we're trying to score more get the puck yeah. and score more goals than the other team so what do we want to do when the other team has it get it back as quickly as we can <laughs> what do we want to do when we have it we want to keep it until we can score i mean it's 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 that simple right so that that leads to all the concepts and the systems that you may create on how to and how to do that how to get the puck back as quickly as we can and then how to keep the puck which means right find open people players and things until we can score a goal right and for our curriculum what we did to kind of break it down we used the the usa hockey smaller games teaching concepts through smaller games we broke it into six categories so we broke it into transitions mm -hmm. so going from defense to offense offense to defense right we, we broke it into breakouts so when the puck is your end how to get it out of the end and then we a little bit bigger picture we talked about the offensive zone Okay, a uh, little bigger picture, we talked about the defensive zone, right? And then we talked about forechecking, so when you're in the offensive zone, what you're doing, mm -hmm. what the concept is, and then special teams, right? Power play, penalty kill. So there's those six categories that we broke into, and now we apply different smaller games to cover each of one of those categories to work on. And that's really when you start to see the learning, is that, and, and the, the key to the smaller games is that they're live games, right? So they're doing the action that it's gonna replicate what's gonna happen in the game. So Paul, I wanna dive into that for a second. We have a comment here uh, from Lynn. The majority of kids, young and old, are just having fun. Skills come with experience. Great, Lynn, thank you. <laughs> and it has to be fun, right? If it's not fun, fun they're, they're not playing, right? Well, and that's the other thing. How much, how much fun is something that no one tells you why, right? <laughs> or that you don't even, you're just doing it because it's a monotonous thing you have to do versus 
I'm versus you know why you're trying to do something to achieve some certain goal so that you can get every kid wants to score I would think every kid wants to yeah. win and every kid wants to score so if they know how this position on play can help them get the puck quicker and they can get more shots and score more goals or win more games that's going to help their motivation with learning it too but Paul I want to dig into that so you're telling me that stuff that they do out there <laughs> when they're playing games around every week in practice they're learning four check breakouts special teams like power play technical they're learning all those things and those smaller games that we're doing because it doesn't look maybe like they're working on the breakout or whatever depending on how you may look at it so what is a breakout right mm -hmm. ask yourself what a breakout is well to simplify it it is the puck is in your end mm -hmm. and you're trying to get the puck out of your end right right in, in some so sort let me of give an example of a some of the the old maybe i don't even know if it's old school or not but some of the traditional ways people think about what they may expect sure. to be a break teaching a breakout in practice <laughs> sure and then well, what what we've done well, the classic right? example um you know even when i grew up uh when i wasn't at the outdoor rink that we did sometimes would be five on a breakout right. so you'd use the full uh rink you mm -hmm. coach would dump the puck in mm -hmm. and then even sometimes the coach would yell a breakout so yeah. you have to do exactly what the coach wheel, tells you whatever, yeah. wheel all yeah. right up d yeah. to d reverse so the coach would yell the breakout uh, no pressure. And By the way, I've done this with the squirt team about seven years ago. Yeah, okay, embarrassingly. So there you I'm go. So you'd, you'd, you'd make the breakout play, no pressure. You'd come out, uh, maybe attack all the way down 3-0. Uh, and then if you're lucky, maybe there's a regroup and you attack 3-2 back on the same guy. So that would be an example. So in that example, wingers go down the wall, stop yes. on the wall. So the D go back and yeah, pass, it, back, to pass the it to the winger of the wall. Uh, center comes through for support, which which makes right. sense, right? So there's a lot of concepts uh, and routes that make sense, right? That maybe the wingers get down low, open up. Like th this is if even if you're doing it badly, you can still some teach some good habits, sure. right? But sure. I, I've seen it done really poorly, where it's just dump in, and you know if uh, if I, I remember being this a youth player is going back for a puck and missing that breakout pass to yeah. the winger and getting screamed at <laughs> as a ten year old, and then doing it again and then missing it again, getting <laughs> screamed at again. And then doing it again, missing it, and getting like sent to the bench, <laughs> and like so much pressure to make this five-on-zero breakout pass where I was a mess, and I'm ten years old, right? And it just shows you that like the amount of pressure you put on a kid to do something that's actually never going to happen in a game exactly like that yeah. makes little sense, right? So how we do it, right? Smaller games. Well, first of one, uh, what a smaller game is? It is a smaller area to repeat a game concept, right? right? So the, we know the big, we know the full game is five on five full ice at the 10, 10, and, 10 U and up, right? But how do you replicate those situations that arise? Uh, how do you multiply, replicate and multiply? So you get more and more and more and more of them, right. is that's when you need smaller games, right? And so that's where you change the size and the surface. And why the game format? Well, the game format is because if they don't practice in a game format, it's a whole skill, right? It's not a part skill. If they don't play in a game format, then they're not developing the plan read, you know, the replan do of, do, right. of doing that actual execution of that skill. Because when they try to do it in the game, it's going to be in a game format. Of course. There's other teams trying to come get the puck from them, and your players are trying to get open and things, right? So we're trying to make that environment, but we don't play, like you said, we don't play five on five full ice for that environment because then we can just play games all the time instead of practice. We sure. actually just want to shrink the space, lessen the number of people, and make it happen a lot of times. And, and yeah, there's there's definitely times at the older age groups to, to do five-on-five five sure. and to do a con controlled scrimmage and do five-on-five five live and that stuff. And even at the PB level, we do five-on-five five in zone where you have to make a defensive play out and, and you got to do it three times before you you know you switch mm -hmm. kind of thing. So there's room for that and work on face-offs and all that stuff. 
uh, when we're talking about you know working on all these transitions these breakouts is those smaller areas that's what the game is you have to make a play under pressure right, right? if you can't make plays under pressure then you you're not going to have a lot of success at hockey right. right so that's either defensively or offensively right if there's a guy attacking me and i have the puck and i'm in my end I gotta figure out a way to get it to one of my teammates or get it to a spot where he can go to or where I can go to. Where you can beat the guy or I can or beat the guy whatever. I gotta make decisions, I gotta make them quickly. What if your teammates if, are covered and right. Right. If I'm not practicing those ever, mm-hmm. if I don't practice those decisions ever, I'm never gonna get better at those decisions, right? And that's really what that's the development of Hoxins. But that's where it takes a lot longer because you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna make mistakes, a lot of mistakes, right? Because your brain is not going to compute it fast enough, right? They talk about the building the myelin, right? Mm-hmm. The myelin sheath that builds the the the, the um, to spark the neurons, right? In the brain, well, the the more you practice something, then the better you'll get at it, right? right. You know, the more successful. And that's when they talk about the highest level athletes, right? From Tom Brady, quarterback, or the best players, Wayne Gretzky, is the game slows down to them, right? Because they fired those so many times, they build all this myelin. They see a, they see the game at a different see speed. It happening, right? It's yeah. slower to them, mm-hmm. right? And really, it's going really fast. A lot of guys, if you're brand new to the sport, it's just flying by you everywhere. Uh, but as you develop these skills and play in these environments, then it slows down. And that's why that free play, that outdoor rink hockey, and that's why we try to do some of that game night. We do a lot of our half ice and smaller games is critical for the success of our players. If they don't do that they're going to miss out on a huge part of the game. Yeah. They'll actually miss out on developing the most part of the game is understanding the game of hockey. Right. I want to. I see some of that, Paul. We also have another uh, question that came in here. Um, are, you know what? I'm going to get to this. Shannon, Shanna, Sh- uh, Shana, I'm going to get to this question in one second here. Um, one key part also about the games with the preps. Now, how, uh, how motivating is it as a player? How exciting is it? To go and do the five one zero breakout down the other down the other end. Well, it's not it's not it's not fun at all, right? It's really boring, yeah. and you know it's really like why we I, I know as a player thinking about yeah. that, well why are we doing this? And how motivating is it? So for you for you as a as a ten year old you're going back. There's either two things. Either one, you're you're going back and you're making maybe just making the pass. You're kind of just going through the motions to get to complete the draw you're supposed to do it. And so maybe there's not much motivation even behind what you're trying to do with that pass. Or number two, you're you're being motivated out of fear because you don't want to miss the pass and get yelled at or, or whatever. Versus uh, playing a game with your friends and teammates, hopefully, and trying to win a game, uh, which you know work on being a competitor, work on trying to trying to compete. And, you're, and kids love to play games. The kids play tag it, at school or whatever, it, right? They want to it, win the game. It comes back to the blocked and random, mm-hmm. scripted and unscripted, right? If I'm told, okay, we're gonna dump it in. Mm-hmm. You got to go D to D, and then yeah. and then you got to pass the winger, and they're gonna go down and shoot. And then, you know what I mean? It's all scripted. There's no, remember, that's zero decision making because there's no pressure. If we had pressure, yeah. then it's a different ball game. Yeah, rain shuts off, intensity shuts off. We're in a different ball game if we're talking about, now we're, we have four check pressure and there's guys on us, we gotta yeah. make decisions. And now the, the, the breakout I have to do is get the puck out of our Well, zone that's the somehow. interesting thing, right? Because the funny thing is, is that those, those set breakout practices, yeah. If you add pressure, yeah. you can't actually do any of that anymore because the other team is just gonna. If you, they know you have to pass D to D, they're just gonna go and pick it off. So you have like you you have to force decisions, and, and, and that adds the other role. So one of the roles, four positional roles of hockey, right? One of the roles is well, you have the puck, right? And now another role is when your teammate has the puck, right? So that adds in. Okay, now I have to communicate him to make the right call up wheel D to D reverse. 
I can't make that right call if I don't have the hockey sense to read and see the game. Right. And I can't make that call and see the game if I haven't practiced reading and seeing the game and playing in that game. So it, like, it really snowballs and all adds up. Totally. Hey, Paul, we have a question That's from Shanna. Shanna. Yeah. From Shanna. Oh, and we have Bridget watching us as well. Hey, okay. hey Bridget. Uh, are there any times during a Mike game when a teaching moment would be beneficial to a player, even though at this point their hockey sense should be learned by trial and error? When a player comes back to the bench, are coaches encouraged to praise smart moves or give suggestions on uh, what could what could have? Yeah, what could have? Yeah. So, yeah, great question. Um, so I think I think the first off is we talked about before, right? Is a lot of times at the might level, even at the squirt level, after they've made a play, the play is done, mm -hmm. right? So they at that age, if they come back to the bench, whether it's five seconds after they've made the play or sometimes 30 seconds a minute after, they, they may not remember that play, mm -hmm. right? And, we, and that's when you ask a kid, hey, do you, do you remember what, that play? And at that eight and under age, 99.9% of the time, they have no clue. Mm -hmm. They don't remember, right? Mm -hmm. They don't remember the play they made, right? But what I would say is pointing out, and we talked about this before, right? Pointing out the positives of their effort yeah. and their attitude and their hustle, yeah. right? And their work ethic, those are all really critical. Like, oh, that was awesome how hard he went for that last puck. Yeah. And, and you know what I mean? And encouraging that, always of that, that was a great job of pursuing that puck, right? Of go, and maybe you wouldn't even say pursuing it at yeah. seven years old, right? But way to go get that puck, yeah. right? Way to get open for Johnny there, right? Mm -hmm. So encouraging those things, and that's catching them doing good. I think we talked about that oh. last week, right? And they may not even, they may not trigger that really. Like, oh, what is he talking like? When I, when he, he praised me, and I did that, but I, they can't, maybe not all connect it yet, yeah. but we know that praising effort over outcome is critical, yeah. right? So the more you do that, the more you do that, and the, the older they get, they'll realize, okay, I'm getting talked to by the coach mm -hmm. in a positive way because he was saying that I worked hard. And now they can connect it that, oh, this is what working hard means, right? Yeah. And this means going after, and I'm, I'm not yelled at when I go after the puck and they pass it by me and maybe they score. I'm encouraged, like, hey, nice try. Way to go after that puck there. Yeah. Instead of getting, say, hey, why did you go there? The guy just passed it by and they score. Yeah. Right? It can, can totally so, kill the development of a player yeah. that way, right? Yeah. And then they're going to say, and they may connect that and say, oh, my God. Now I just, I'm just going to stand here yeah. so I don't get in trouble. Yeah. And I'll try to be the goalie, too. Yeah, I won't make a mistake because <laughs> I won't do anything. Right? right? And, and this is really, really important, really, yeah. really critical. And it comes back to, again, concepts over systems. Yeah. We're not going to give them feedback on the bench when they come back about, oh, you see, this guy was open and you didn't see him, but you, yeah. you, know, you went over here instead because they, they're not going to be able to connect that. And also, it's not what we want to focus on. We want to focus the, on concepts at the 8U level, hard work, yeah. right, number one, and, 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 being, and making plays. So, again, and, and, and if you do it the right way, you can, it can help all the kids by them hearing what you're praising, right? Because maybe it's just something. Maybe the kid fell and missed it, but he got up and like chased after it. It's like, man, great job, you didn't give up, yeah. you got knocked over, you fell down, and you got up and you hustled back, and yeah, they, they scored it, they scored, but you were skating as hard as you could to do it, and all the kids hear what you're praising, that's, that's impactful. That's right, and let's talk about, and I think that ties into positioning a little bit, especially at the younger ages, the 8U level, right, the ice is shrinked, yeah. right, but it's shrinked for their size of their bodies, Sure. right, and, yeah. and the, the science behind going cross-size was by, by USA Hockey was, uh, you know, I think we talked before, but an eight-year-old, uh, roughly about 13 to 14 strides from one side to the other mm -hmm. cross ice. 
And then if you take a you know a six foot NHL player, it's about thirteen to fourteen strides full, uh, yeah. full ice lengthwise. So that's where the cross ice came. And cross ice hockey uh, and this idea of station based practices is years ago, 30, 40 years ago. This isn't these aren't new ideas. But USA Hockey has done a great job of putting it together, packaging it as the ADM model, um, putting it together. So when we talk about, think about that eight-year-old, if all four of those eight-year-olds are going as hard as they can, full speed, working hard as they can, they are going to get out of position, but they're also going to get in position, yeah. right? And if they're all going half speed, they're going to be out of position more than not. If And the thing I want to talk about, one more thing we didn't really talk about, about positioning is... The speed of the game so is really you know, critical. So I was going to bring up and this is, this is the, the, you know, I have several conversations over the years with hockey parents about the speed of the game. And they'll mention, like, for example, a first-year uh, squirt B team, maybe all the kids are out of in-house, and they're losing a lot of games, and the idea is, well, they oh, always they're, look out of they're always out of position. They're always out of position, or you don't practice positioning. It's, once again, we practice positioning. We do it through concepts, right? We, do, we practice hockey sense. They're always, if the speed of the game, right, so the skill set of the other team is they're faster, mm -hmm. they're bigger, they have better skills, they're, that, they're always going to look out of yeah. position. The interesting thing is when we, when we talk to another parent where maybe even that same team, they play a team that is a lower level than them mm -hmm. and they have more success scoreboard-wise mm -hmm. and they have the puck more, they don't seem to, they never, I never hear the word complaining about being in the right position. When you're the stronger team. When you're the stronger yeah, team, you're yeah. never in the yeah. wrong position, right? And it's because of the speed of the game. You're always gonna look out of position if you're always chasing the puck. Yeah, so that's a really key part of this. So let's finish <laughs> with this. One, yeah. Any player that is out, outmatched, skill, speed, strength, size-wise, yeah. is always gonna be out of position. Yeah. Almost always. But, because even if they go stand in the right, by the time they do that, that the play is going to be somewhere else. And, so the only way, right? The, it, it, the only way to really learn to be better at positioning is by improving the level of their skill, not just technical skill, yeah. but reading, reacting, and mm. skating. And, and right, skating. and that, and the the one thing that can combat that when you're at the higher levels is that hockey sense, right? That maybe I'm not as a fast a skater as Connor McDavid, right. but I'm like, for example, Wayne Gretzky is a great example. He wasn't ever the fastest. Yeah. He was never the biggest. He was never the strongest. He never had the hardest shot, but he was the smartest. Right. Ever. But, but, but you would never say he was the smartest of, of knowing his position. No. He just knew where his system. No. He was, he was actually the most creative player probably ever. Right. Right? He was the smartest because he knew where the puck was going to go. Right. So that anticipation, right? And that goes back to his childhood where he's watching hockey draw on the rink and where the puck went uh, on the piece of paper, right? That's what he did. He followed the game, drew it on the paper. So his anticipation skills Right, really, his hockey sense yeah. were off the charts. So that's why he always, we almost seemed like he had the eyes in the back of his head, yeah. or he was a step ahead, right? Because the game was slow to him, and he could see yeah. everything because of that elite hockey. No sense. coach was telling him to go down to a spinorama over here, <laughs> or in the spinoramas in the neutral zone, or go behind the net and set up behind the net. He was doing that based on reading things, and he was reading that at such a higher level. And, and even defensively, level. right? Yeah. They weren't saying, hey, Wayne, go stand there. Yeah. Wayne would be there when he needed to be there for the puck to get there, right? He would go where he, where he knew, where he could read where the puck, you know, most likely would be. Mm -hmm. So he was a step of everyone because he was thinking about where the puck was going to go, not where it is. Yeah. Great. Okay, to wrap mm -hmm. up, Paul, read some re some resources. Uh, uh, teaching teaching through small area games. So yeah, teaching. Can yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll go to USA Hockey. They have a, on one of their tabs. They have a small area game tab, and it's uh, teaching concepts through small area games. is a great one. Uh, that's that's one of the best ones for smaller games. 
Uh, obviously, you can go you to ADM Kids. There's some, some information there, uh, USA Hockey as well. And then there's always this, the skill book uh, that we've talked about in the past. If you We have extra copies if you ever need one. Uh, let Paul know that kind of goes through the age appropriate and which concepts and things are important at each age group. And we use that with our curriculum as well. Yeah, and there's one more uh, resource in our curriculum under the experience, under skills and tactics. Uh, this is a lot of the stuff we talked about. There's one document called the zones mm -hmm. and positioning. And that covers those three zones we talked about. It covers the four positional roles. It covers the five compete. Uh, five keys of a complete player it and, and it covers a lot of stuff in detail uh, uh, a little even more detail than we talked about today on, on certain areas like what does it mean offense with the puck what are the skills you need to have offense with the puck it talks about puck protection uh, creating time and space all these different kind of key points to understand and really good for players to understand Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for watching. We went a little bit over time today, but we had we had fun. Hopefully, you <laughs> did. Uh, whether you're watching live or the replay, we really appreciate the comments and the likes. Uh, share it on your page if you like what you hear. We we really appreciate those to help us spread uh, spread our message and our show to, uh, to new eyeballs. Whether you're uh, with the Junior Rain or or not, or somewhere else in the country or the world, we we love uh, we love the viewership and the comments from you guys. And we will see you. Next Monday, I think we're off the following one is Christmas, but I think, no, next, next Monday is Christmas. Yeah, next Monday is Christmas. Not next Monday. Yeah. We will put, do a post uh, on Facebook uh, when we're going to be back on yeah. for Inside the Junior Rain. Yeah. We'll see you for episode number 15 then, so stay tuned for the Facebook page for uh, details. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.